0: Well, 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 welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and this show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. They're a presenting sponsor. We're very grateful for Joe Turner, Kelly Polonis, and all of the teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience with nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services. You're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors that we're grateful for and handpicked, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. right, so we we have a great show planned for you tonight, but I wanted to take a little recap from last week. Last week, we caught up with Anna Miller and Sammy Romer from Missouri State University as we celebrated the 6th Missouri Valley Conference Championship for the women's swimming and diving team. And these two young ladies have a lot of accolades underneath their names. And we appreciated their time and and celebrating uh, their their victories and their team's victories. And we wish them the, the best of luck as they continue with their swimming careers. And we also um, caught up with Coach Becky Mullis. Coach Becky Mullis was um, instrumental in in giving us a, a wonderful um, snapshot of the absolute uh, impactful legacy that Coach George Wilson left on us, and we just want to try and um, send out continued condolences to George Wilson's family, and know that um, he has definitely been loved and will be remembered fondly throughout our entire region. He definitely left his mark. So thank you to Coach Becky Mullis for joining us on that. If you want to listen to that episode, you can go to acoachsperspective.com. You can. Also, listen to it on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Verbal, and on Helium Satellite Radio. So we are going to move into our first segment. Um, We had an opportunity this past weekend where at Missouri State University, where they hosted the National Collegiate Handball Tournament. And this is a handball program that has um, dozens of national titles, Um, several All-Americans throughout the year, professional players. They've even produced a world champion. Uh, but this program is, uh, you know, is hosting nationals this year, and that is quite, uh, quite an event. It's a five-day tournament over um, thirty universities. 175 players, and and it was was a great event, and we kind of are going to recap a little bit of that, Um, but we caught up with the United States Handball Association President Dennis Hogan, and he talks a little bit with us about how he plans on growing the game of handball, and even if you um, don't know what handball is, or if you have never watched handball, you will get a great sense of um, what the game is about. And it could parallel to some of your loves to some of the sports that you enjoy as well. So I hope you enjoy uh, this first segment. We caught up with President Dennis Hogan of the USHA. Take a listen. Well, welcome to A Coach's Perspective, Um, and I'm Jenny Hopkins, and I am here with President Dennis Hogan of the United States Handball Association, and I am absolutely thrilled to have you on the show, and I want to welcome you. It was a pleasure meeting you this weekend at the National Collegiate Tournament, um, and I'm very excited to be able to talk with you about the sport of handball, so welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jenny. I really appreciate the invitation, and I have to say it was great collegiates. I enjoyed getting to know you and your team and your coaches and I wouldn't have missed it for the world
0: well I, I think that you know that's kind of one of where, where I want to start um, you're you're new into this position as the president of the USHA um, what was your first impressions of the collegiate tournament how did you think it went in just a snapshot
1: I was delighted with how it went because it was the same as it always has been this tremendous competition between various groups and yet the camaraderie through all of the students the coaches the people parents is parent. The only time the rivalry is there is when the kids are on the court and then off the court, they're friends and they're making acquaintances that are going to last, as I said in my remarks, 30, 40, even 50 years. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: to be around that and to know that this is our legacy that will continue on is just so exciting.
0: I think that's one of the unique things about um, the collegiate handball tournament is, is the, is the way that the teams can cheer for each other. Um, They can be very competitive on the hardwood, but then they can step out of that court um, and they can cheer for each other and get to know each other and have that friendship. So I I agree with that. I think that's one of the special things about um, this sport. And collegiates, this is the only tournament where it's only college players. Every other tournament has different age divisions. And so I think that's another one of the unique aspects of this tournament.
1: It is. I mean, in a, and it gets to the heart of being a college person. I mean, you recall your time, you know, to meet somebody in civilian life now, we have to get to know each other. In college, you just say, what's your major and where are you from? And that's enough to start a relationship. And So <laughs> yeah. these kids just, just gel real easily. You know, how long you've been playing, where you're from, play and just enjoy each other's company. The sportsmanship is beyond reproach. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I, I have to give credit to one of our players who, um, you know, it, it was the match point. And um, she returned the ball and ended up then just turning around and stopping and going over to shake her hand. And she said that was a wrist ball. And I thought. That's that's class. That's what it's all about. I mean, she knew that was match point. No one saw the wrist ball, but she knew it was a wrist ball and took it upon herself. And I think that's something that's kind of classy about the sport is, is that you do see a lot of ethical moments like that. And that's something we want to continue think, to encourage.
1: I think that is central to who we are as handball players. Um, some people think that the rules, the performance reflects the rules. It's the opposite. Our rules about double bounces, wrist balls, reflects the ethos of our community. it's just not, if you, if the crowd sees you deny that you got a double bounce, you will be a pariah. Right. We expect this of each other.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. I think that's a, that's a really good point um, with, with handball players. Let's, let's talk about you, Dennis Hogan. When did you pick up that blue ball for the first time and start playing? How did you get involved in this sport?
1: I I have to go back a little further. I was an 18-year-old in in high school, and a gym teacher was hitting a ball with this funny little thing in his hand against the wall in the gym. And I said, what's that? And he says, do you want to play? And I got turned on to racquetball because I knew nothing about handball at the time. Fast forward 15 years, I was leaving the Navy, and I was in Cincinnati, and I went down to the local YMCA to play. And I saw a bulletin board and had nothing on it but a little card that said, if you want to learn to play handball, call Ralph." That's Ralph Weil of Cincinnati, Ohio, who is 94 and still playing. He's been (laughs) my mentor and my friend for 34 years.
0: Wow!
1: And so I got started playing with with the Ralph. I met a few people in Cincinnati. I played a couple of tournaments. I met some people in the state. I played at a state tournament. I start meeting people from other cities. I got onto the national board. I start meeting people from all over the country. Now I can't go to a tournament, but every time I play somebody, I make a new friend.
0: Right. Uh, and I think that's that is wonderful. I mean, and I think, you know, having that love of the game and being able to travel like that and meet so many people, um, you're you're growing the game just by your personality and being able to meet all of these people. Um, but I, I want to go back a little bit to your roots and I want to talk, you know, we have the collegiate handball tournament, um, but we also have players from Ireland. And yes. uh, let's talk a little about your Irish roots, and talk about some of those Irish players. Um, I, you know, they are incredible. And I, one of the things I see about Irish players is they very rarely have hand errors. Um, they they are yeah. they're they're very solid with their with their hands. So tell me a little bit about um, the Irish players and and how important it was uh, for them to be a part of our collegiates.
1: Uh, as you may know, I was born in Ireland. Yes. And I came over here when I was very young before I got involved in sports, but I've been back many times to visit. They have an incredible program where they teach in the schools and each parish, each church essentially has its own teams of handball and Irish hurling and Irish football. So the kids come up in this incredibly dense social atmosphere of sport. The Irish are mad for sports, (laughs) incredible competitors, and then great socialization afterwards, And so these guys have been playing probably since they were five, six, seven, eight years old. And they are in a very competitive hierarchical program that goes right through grade school, right through high school into college. So, of course, they're producing their best and they're not sending us their average. They're sending us their best.
0: That's pretty incredible because they really are. And I think this year was one of the largest groups that came over. There were 15 Irish players. Um, yep. And that 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 brings such a wonderful element um, to our players here in, in America to be able to play with them um, and get to know them. And again, a lot of them stay in contact. And when they become yes. older, some of them might see each other on the pro tours. Um, but they do stay in contact and I think that's that's pretty it's a nice international connection.
1: <laughs> Absolutely it is. Um, de- in fact, the Irish handball president and the uh, manager for Irish handball were over during the tournament. And Desi, I believe, one in 96.
0: Yes, he did. So
1: that communication is still there. Yeah, Uh, those friendships are still there. Uh, He and Tom Sov knew each other from way back then.
0: It's incredible. And that's a lot of fun to be able to see them, you know, at the tournament and be able to, um, you know, support not just the Irish players, but there to just support the game of handball. Um, Well, speaking of supporting the game of handball, you know, as, as president of the USHA, what is your vision? What is your goal? How do you, um, how do you, um, how are you going to grow this perfect game of handball?
1: Let me start by saying we have slight, a slight structural problem that many of our members are 55 and over. So we are facing a loss of members in, in the future. Young players are the ones we need to bring in. And the way I see it doing it is I want to bring more 25 to 30-year-olds, recent graduates up to 35, into our committee structures. We have a number of committees at the national level. And I would like to groom a farm team, having these people come in, work on this committee for a couple of years, that committee for a couple of years, and eventually get to where they become state chairs and then become board members. Instead of having people come in with very little national experience, I'd like to grow a management team if you will and i think that's the way to do it is to get them involved early get a couple three of them on each committee and get them exposure to different aspects of handball so when they do take over and we are no longer on the scene we can hand it off to them and they'll know what to do
0: i think i mean i think that's a brilliant plan because that is one of the keys to the longevity of this organization um, and for this game, because then they will learn about that grooming process and hopefully continue it um, when they get into your position and, and to the board of directors. They're able to pass that on and groom the next generation. I think that's a wonderful model um, to be implementing.
1: I'm um military, the military has to train all their own people, because you can't get trained in civilian life to go in the military, so every every level they have to train. I would like our organization to think succession at every level. When I get a job, who do I groom to take my job when I'm ready to leave? That's what I want everybody to be thinking about at every level. And that way we'll hopefully get to a position where we have a surplus of people and not a too few people.
0: And I, I like that. I like that philosophy, also. You know, and that is parallels with a lot of coaches in programs um, that might be listening. You know, you you are grooming people that will eventually take over for you, whether it's assistant coaches or whether it's players in your program. But being able to to work with them in a leadership role with those common values and that common mission, and being able to groom them at that level, I think that's uh, definitely a, a, a secret to longevity. And I think that's a wonderful plan. And um, I know. That that you have some some great <laughs> some great workers at the USHA. Matt Kruger and um, and Sam Esser uh, had, did a tremendous job this week. Tom Stove, they all did a tremendous job of, of working, and I know that you had to be pleased um, with them, and I think that's wonderful that you are, are grooming them and will continue to groom others as well to get into that administrative role.
1: I could give a quick notice. Uh, David Steinberg, who's a uh, coach of one of our teams, he is Stepping down at this time so he can put a younger person in place as head coach, then he and his assistant coach are going to stay on and be, be assistant coaches while this person really gets a handle on the program. Yeah. That's an example of what I'm trying to institute.
0: I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. Um, well, you know, as a as president of the handball association what kind of advice would you give people there's a lot of people out there listening we've talked a lot on this show about the parallels of handball and it's the number one cross training sport I could make a case for any sport on that Um, but a lot of the listeners that might not know about the game of handball and they're thinking well I'm you know I'm 40 or I'm 50 should I can I even learn it can I even try what kind of advice would you give them um, to try handball
1: I would say that if you have no serious physical disabilities. You could take it up at any age. Mm -hmm. We have players playing all the way on our national tournaments into 80 brackets, 80 year old brackets, (laughs) from 35 to 85 years old. You can learn the game. It is at a pace that you can handle. We will find people for you to play with at your level. And it is good for ambidextry. It is good for mental agility. It is good for physical ability. And it is great at making friends. So anybody could play it. And we have softballs to learn. We have harder balls once you get good at it. There is a lot of instruction available. So I would encourage anybody who's looking for a challenge. If you're a stubborn person that enjoys a really great challenge that is lifelong because you never really master the game, you become better at it, anybody could take it up.
0: I agree, I agree, I definitely do. Um, Tell us, uh, let's shift gears and go up a notch and talk a little bit about some of the pro tours. How do you think the the professional tours are going right now for the USHA?
1: I like how it's being run. As you know, there's two different organizations. Mm -hmm. US handball basically takes care of the amateur level and world professional handball takes care of the professional tour stops. Although the same players play in our national tournaments. They come to our local tournaments in some cases. Um, But I think that they're doing a very good job of promoting that Um, we are beginning to work much better as two organizations recently uh, last year or the year before before COVID hit, we had a problem with a venue, and so we combined ours with one of theirs. A year later they had a problem with a venue and at short notice had to combine one of theirs with ours, so we found ways to cooperate between the two institutions to support handball at both the professional and the amateur level.
0: I think that's a wonderful partnership, and I can definitely appreciate that because they, the players do interact with each other and with different tournaments as well. Um, if there was a, any any other uh, closing comments that you would like to have, we've been we really appreciate your time this evening. Um, but tell me, are there any closing comments that you'd like anyone to know out there um, about the game of handball?
1: I think what you hit on was very significant for anybody who has athletes that looking to develop them. You often, if you stay with the one sport all the time, you overdevelop one set of reflexes, muscles, and mental attitudes. Handball is a great cross-dimensional, cross-discipline exercise, and it is good for mobility. It's good for thinking. It's a lot of things. If you have a basketball player, a baseball player, a football player, it enhances the skills they already have. They would be well-served to try and play it.
0: I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I can't thank you enough for for joining us uh, this evening. And I appreciate it. United States uh, Handball Association President Dennis Hogan, thank you so much for your time tonight.
1: Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it.
0: All right. And we will be in touch and we're going to take a quick break and we'll take it right back to the studio on A Coach's Perspective. a coach's perspective this is jenny hopkins and this segment is sponsored by highland dairy highland dairy is owned by dairy farmers and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious products since 1938 to prove in fact from scientific studies professional dietitians that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. They're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. This segment is also sponsored by Greg and Melinda Burnett as they support local and thoughtful radio. So we are talking a little bit about the National Collegiate Handball Tournament, and we're trying to kind of you know, talk a little parallels with some other sports. Uh, this was a great event that was held at Missouri State University this past weekend. We want to congratulate the women's team on winning the national title over at Missouri State University. The men's team finished third, and the combined team finished second. So congratulations to them on another stellar National Collegiate Tournament, and we will continue to talk about that a little bit more. But one of the personalities that was at the tournament this weekend, I just had to do an interview with. Um, This gentleman is uh, a coach from Angelo State University. His name is Spider Simpson, and he has such a way about himself that he is a magnet, and students gravitate toward him, players gravitate toward him, and he has a very thick Brooklyn accent and you're going to enjoy getting to know this coach and what his philosophy is. I appreciate the way he um, views coaching and the way that he works with his student athletes and I think that he has um, a lot of gifts when it comes to mentoring young people and so I I enjoyed uh, taking a moment and catching up with him. So if you would please take a listen to Spider Simpson from Angelo State University. Well, Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective, and now we are joined by Angelo State University coach, Spider Simpson. You've been around for a while. You have been around this game of handball, so welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. So tell me, you know, we just had the collegiate national tournament and it was, you know, it was a great tournament. The kids enjoyed it. What is it about collegiates that you feel like has a different energy than other tournaments?
2: In, in my case, I've been to two small schools starting programs and to me it's an experience, it's part of the educational experience. They come, they meet people from all over. Obviously, the Irish, we had a couple of Canadians, we had uh, Mexico City kids over the years. It's an experience that once they come to this, they're addicted. It's kind of like they develop the network and they finally realize things we've been telling them for years that, hey, it's a lot of fun to hang out with people rather than playing Nintendo. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they, and they get to cheer for each other and they, they meet all of these people. I, I think it's a great experience for them. Tell me a little bit about your start in handball.
2: <laughs> uh, New York City, Brooklyn, the one wall game was everything I knew until many, many moons going to uh, Texas A&M when I was down there. I was good friends with uh, Lance Lowy, who coached there for like 29 years. I had played one mall and they taught me how to play four. And then I just started realizing that I kind of liked it and nobody knew about it in West, West Texas. So I did it as a class and I took them to a national tournament, which is actually where I met Tommy the first time down at A&M. And it was kind of humorous because the kid fell in love with it. And they're like, how do we actually make a club? Because I just took the class. And we told them they did all the paperwork. And that program built up and actually won the very first D2 championship in 2003. Went to another school in 2008. Did the exact same thing, an experiment in a modal learning class. And I get, put half the kids on the court. And I said, OK, play handball. And then I went to the next court, the other half, and I taught them all the fundamentals. And then the next day in class I said, "Okay, who wants to play handball again? And every kid that was in the fundamental class put their hands up, only one kid in the other group. And he said, I want to learn how to play it since you made me do this. (laughs) And then that kid played for me for four years.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Well, and you mentioned Tommy, and you're referring to Tommy Burnett, who's the longtime coach at Missouri State, founder of that program. This is the first year we haven't had him at the collegiate Uh since he passed away. Um, What is that like? You know, you've known him for a few decades now. What was it like not having? you know, Tommy Burnett is,
2: here. It is depressing to some extent because you expect to see, you know, the people that you've gotten to know. That's what I'm saying. The network's incredible. And I'm kind of flaky because I'm kind of all over the place. My predominant sport was baseball, but then I work with other teams. But this is something I always look forward to because you get to see people, you know, at least once a year you hook up. So that was, and I was also upset when I had been told, you know, they were going to dedicate the courts in 17. Unfortunately, I was ill at the time and was no way to make it. So I thought this was gonna be great. And then we had the COVID (laughs) would shut down the tournament. We waited another year and unfortunately, you know, not there, but you know, uh, I would say he's looking down waiting for me no, to say something right. smart alibi. You, know. <laughs> yeah.
0: you all definitely had a great sense of humor and had a lot of fun over the years. And oh. um, I know that you all, um, tell us a little bit about how you met him. I love this story and I, I think that's a, a lot of fun.
2: And the first time I met him was down at A&M and uh, I got introduced to him and I looked at him and I went, I think I know you. And he goes, what? He goes, I have your bubblegum card, the football card from Topps. <laughs> And he goes, seriously? I said, yeah. He goes, do you still have it? I said, if I still had it, we would not be meeting because I would be a multimillionaire. So you should thank my mom that she threw the card out. So now you're meeting me. Yeah. And then the standard joke was every year. I said, I'm going to find a card you're going to sign. And your dad would tell me, uh, you better find two because I need one for my own files. Because right. he couldn't find any of his own cards. Yes,
0: yes. So that was
2: my first encounter with him. And I guess he was the, had been, I guess, a year into his 15-year reign as the uh, collegiate commissioner. And he was always, and we talked periodically on some stuff because of my background with boards and things like that. And it was just kind of a neat. Again, a perspective. Then we wound up, we were both Aggies. We both got our doctorates down there. We both basically, from what I understand from other people, both started playing four-wall because That's where he mm-hmm. picked it up. I'd never heard of four-wall. We just, a ball and a wall is ideal yeah. in New York because there's plenty of walls.
0: Yeah, he played some one-wall and three-wall mm-hmm. when he was in New York, and that's where he kind of was introduced to the game yeah. and then um, finished there. And it's funny to hear you say he was an Aggie as a longtime Arkansas Razorback. He's known for being <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a Razorback
1: yeah. and for, yeah.
0: by getting his doctorate there. Yes definitely was able to do that so all right Dr. Simpson let me ask you this if you um, you know could kind of capture a little bit about where you think the game of handball is going Um, you think it's going to recover from the COVID years and be able to come back stronger than ever and if so how do we need to do that? I mean
2: that's the greatest hope that it comes back you know the two three about 250 to 300 players COVID kind of hurt, you know, a lot of things because when you stopped with the connections, people kind of siloed out and they had a real hard... Now, we struggled coming back. For example, this year we would joke, but it's not really a joke. The average kid on my team has played four hours and we came to a tournament, but that's how we regroup. But every one of them has told me after this that I'm going back and practice. I'm going to be better next time, which is a great sign. Recruiting is one and historically we've said this for years even you know way back with, with, with Tommy and Lance and Mike Steele and all those other guys that uh, you know that have been by Mike Dow. The problem at most schools when you leave or a coach leaves for whatever met the program more often than not is done because they don't have that give back. My thing is I've done it at two schools. The previous one before Angelo as soon as I left the guy that was there they let them play one more year and canned it, and then most of those kids, I got lucky, they all came to my grad program to play their last couple of years. But that's one of the problems is the recruiting, the coaches know how to recruit. You have to be creative for a sport that's not common, and you would hope to give find ways for the kids that are playing to give back, in my way, I'm trying to get grad assistants from the handball to come teach handball. So maybe when they go to a job or hopefully some of them would come in and want to work in a college campus, they would want to create it, you know, and not worry. To me, it was never about winning. When I started, it was all one level. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had a school with 2,000 people, and I swear there were some teams that had <laughs> more kids than we had in any classroom
0: mm-hmm. on campus,
2: but it was just the greatest experience because they're from a
0: Right. It is a great experience to be able to see that and, and give these um, collegiate athletes um, kind of an opportunity to be a part mm-hmm. of something and have that connection. Um, so for a lot of people that are listening that might not be familiar with the sport of handball, um, what do you think it is when you say you're recruiting? How do you sell them on this game? And it is a lifelong sport, so anybody I... that's listening and you're 40 years old or 50 years old, you could start playing. <laughs> well, I know
2: we joked last night, you and I, about, you know, Tommy would we recruit grabbing people off the sidewalk. Right. Hey, you want to play handball? Yeah. I remember uh, threatening a kid one time that he got thrown out of campus wreck for some of his behavior problems. He said, if you want to do you're going to have to do something with me. And he wound up getting so into handball, he wound up captaining the team multiple years. And it's just a matter of finding those kids, especially lost kids that don't, you know, they. They don't really are involved in a lot of stuff. Hey, here's a good chance. Here's a good chance. And I've always joked, I taught a class in military, prison, and non traditional act, and I made a comment that this way, in case any of you get arrested, you'll have a skill when you're locked up. And they're like, what? Number one sport. I read a journal article. It's said 39 percent. A ball and a wall. Right.
0: And I got kids that were
2: sociology and criminal justice majors because of that, actually played on the handball team. So it's creative insanity is how you get them. And then just you just hope. Creative insanity. Yeah, that's the best way I can explain.
0: <laughs> I could be on a T-shirt, I think. <laughs> could play handball, it's creative yeah,
2: insanity. There you go. Yeah. Or the William Henry thing. You know, give me handball or give me death. Now, we thought about doing that for yeah. a shirt.
0: Yes.
2: So many. If I had money, I'd have my own little just bizarre statement shirts not pay.
0: right <laughs> that's a good business that could that be a good side business Yeah, only
2: got to sell what 250 shirts yes. a year right there
0: that's right that's right well it does provide a lot of opportunity and I want to thank you for your time um, as a coach um, you know the last time I checked handball coaches are not paid multi-million dollar <laughs> contracts um you know and, and, and I know that you spend a lot of your own money and time to give these kids these experiences and I, I think that uh, I thank you for that what, what would you say is your biggest reward for coaching handball
2: I just get I think it's hilarious to teach somebody something they don't know and then you get to know your students away from a classroom yeah. and that to me is the biggest thing because they a lot in today's day and age they don't connect like when when I was in school you were in school it was not uncommon to be in the snack bar or the coffee shop at Catholic school you're in the pub but you were with <laughs> faculty members and there was a different kind of relationship when now it's almost like us and them playing bridge and getting the chance to talk with kids and they ask you questions that are totally unrelated to academics and they wanna hang out and we all go into dinner and they're almost disappointed when you say, gee, I gotta go to a meeting, you guys have a good time. That's what I think is one of the neatest things, to see, they see the other side of faculty, staff, we see the other side of a student athlete or just a student that's not an athlete but wants to be involved in something.
0: Right, you know, you've also, I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn, you have spent a lot of your career studying the psychology of sports and athletes and trying to dis- dissect yeah. it um, and I'm, I'm waiting for your book to come out on <laughs> yeah. that but how, you know what do you think are some of the keys this is a very mental game oh, 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 it, it is so mental and so tell me what is some of your um, philosophies when you're working with athletes on their mental side of uh, their-
2: when I do the handball I do more groups I used to do a lot more stuff when I was younger one-on-ones the group stuff is more about trying to explain to them visualization which is something mm-hmm. for some reason you don't see it in sport anymore just from you know from Little League on And up. I don't
0: know why. It's the most powerful yeah, technique.
2: exactly. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, what do you mean? And trying to explain, okay, here's this mark. Remember the mark. That's how you got something good. And then we do a lot of, you know, closed eye similar stuff that I do with varsity athletes I'll do here. And I got a kick out of the game we just finished. My kid turned around and he goes, I know what you're going to tell me. He goes, as soon as I did it, I knew you were going to go. You're not supposed to. <laughs> That's a good sign. That means you've actually heard and retained something. And that's the kind of neat thing. little reflection. Thing. Yeah, letting them see it. And then the other big thing that, that I've always pushed, and this is going to sound very strange, I'm an anti-self-esteem person, but I'm a humongous self-confidence. Because if you feel good, it doesn't make you successful. But if you're successful, you're going to feel good. So we push no matter what. If you lose, and I had one of my young ladies, I think, scored one point on her sixth game, so it was donut, donut, and she was so happy, she was, I got balls back to the wall and everything else, and I said, that's all you needed to do, I mean, you've been playing for four hours, most of these kids, you know, did you enjoy? It? I, I had a great time. I want to learn more, and that's the kind of cool yeah. thing where they know what they're doing right and wrong because they, they, you know, they're confident. I can imagine hitting the ball <laughs> and still missing the front wall and going, "Yeah, I hit a ball." Yeah,
0: contact yeah, contact. And <laughs> that to me is. And it's got to start comfort. somewhere. Yeah. And if you build small and and you begin to um, relish some of those small victories, they can turn into big things. They can do it. Yeah,
2: and that's yeah. a really cool thing. And little by little they start doing that to each other more. And I saw it just with ours. They didn't really understand it because they'd never been to a tournament. And they watched some of you know, like the, the Missouri kids, the Lake Forest, and the game. They all go everywhere together and cheer for each other. And as our games progressed, more and more, people went to watch their teammates play that they normally wouldn't do, play and be done, especially if they're an ex-athlete, they're not used to watching a different sport. Okay, I'm done, I can go home, kind of deal, and bang, now you don't even have to remind them to go, they all went to watch.
0: And that can be so motivating to be able to see that, and I I think that's something that is really unique about the collegiate tournament, is you might have one game a day or two games, um, and maybe a doubles match, but you stick around all day, And and they watch, and they cheer for their teammates. Yeah. And well, I think the other thing we tell
2: them is go find people that are at a higher level, mm-hmm. which is usually the open and a, and right. watch because you can learn through visual dynamics and watch what they do. Notice you're always swinging down on the ball and notice they're always swinging up. There's right. the difference between a novice and an elite, you know, and mm-hmm. so on. So they're learning how to watch, not as a spectator, but as a learner. And that's kind of really what this game is. You can be both a spectator and an observer at the same time.
0: But but if you're gonna be a player, you better be a student of the game. Uh,
2: Exactly. That's (laughs) it, you hit it on the head. That's the key. You may want to play, but it's even better if you learn how to play. Yes, yeah.
0: I think that's a that's huge a... part of it. And I think, you know, th- it's also a lot of physics in the game. There's mm-hmm. a lot of physics, there's a lot of angles, and I think mm-hmm. you will see kids that might not be the most athletic no. be successful at this game. And then the most athletic ones who are used to playing either a power game and whatever sport right. they're in, that they they get a little lost on the finesse but, part yep. of this game. So, so if you had to tell me what the best skill set is to be a successful handball player, or could you even narrow it down? <laughs> you know, it's funny.
2: Every coach probably has a different theory. You know, some will say, oh, learn how to hit low, and learn how to use the wall, and learn how to. My thing has always been, again, being a one waller, ambidexterity. And if you can, you got to learn to play with both hands. And unfortunately, a lot of young kids are not taught that in any sport. They got whatever the dominant side is, that's what they do. You even see that in college. Uh, you know, example would uh, be, you know, basketball. Instead of shooting with their non-dominant hand on that particular drill, they want to make sure it goes in rather than learn, rather than make a mistake, they want to do it right. And you see that periodically with the younger kids. I love it when they try and run to the left side and then they do kind of like slap the ball with their right hand, you know, <laughs> right. kind of deal. Now I know on the one wall they play like a highlight style. My brother played the varsity in, in New York when he was in high school. And, of course, the first time he got on a four-wall court, I just kept running him into the wall until I split his head open <laughs> because he couldn't take the extra step to come right. back on. But the only way I could beat him
0: Yes, make I him bleed. There's so many different skills, and I think that's why it's such an addicting sport mm-hmm. is because you feel like, okay, I'm just supposed to hit this blue ball with my hand yep. up to a wall. Big yeah. deal, you know, big deal. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's not complicated, but that's one of the beautiful parts about it. Is it's yeah. very competitive. And you never stop
2: learning. Right. That's the neat thing because right. your game can change a little bit here, a little bit there, and that's the coolest thing in the yeah.
0: world. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite shot?
2: I prefer to, I, I, I'm a pitcher in baseball, so I prefer serving in handball. <laughs> and if they can't hit it, then I'm doing my job.
0: <laughs> yes, well, and then, I, you know, you, you mentioned baseball. I feel like this is like the number one cross-training sport there can be, because there's a lot of oh. skills. So would you encourage um, athletes that, that have more dominant sports in, in some of the more major sports like baseball, football, basketball, to try handball? Oh, oh
2: without a doubt. In the off-season, I actually, a couple of coaches in the past would send me their kids in the off-season and call it, not, it's a deceptive workout, but it's that mental break so when they come back to their regular sport, the mind's fresh. It's not like, you know, 24 seven for 12 months. So I've had, and I use a lot of analogies with different sports with the kids that I have that have played, I have a lot of baseball, softball, which is real easy, but I've had volleyball girls, I've had uh, uh, men's tennis players, so I get a lot of them when they're not doing anything or they've burned out on their sport they kind of watch people and they get involved. So if by using an analogy, every sport, really the analogy can be done with yeah. handball and that's how they learn it. And then if they learn it on the handball court, they can take it back their other sport and that's the neat thing plus they play forever what was it the last year at the one wall the oldest group was like 80 and up or 85 and right I'm, yes I'm it's saying, a i lifetime hope i look sport. that good right I'm, i hope i'm alive at that much less <laughs> looking that good
0: <laughs> yeah that's exciting well i appreciate your time today and joining us and and giving a little bit of your perspective on the sport of handball but really the parallel of of the sport of life and that's really what you're coaching these yeah. kids
2: that, you hit that on the head that's a good can we make that a shirt that along a with t-shirt? my other ones
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> we should go go into business we together that. we'll partner with them.
2: all we need is money backers
0: <laughs> yeah there you go that's right anyone listening <laughs> no I appreciate it we we're talking with coach spider Simpson from Angelo State University and I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your handball tournaments and and travel safe home
2: I appreciate that thank you Jenny for having me
0: all right thank you we'll be right back here on a coach's perspective Back to A Coach's Perspective, and this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call, they will take care of you. Just tell them what you're looking for. They'll do a coast to coast search and they find it. And bonus, it is in your price range. Give them a call at 417 326. 7671. We also want to thank West Logging for sponsoring this segment. Go to westlogging.com or on Facebook and find Danny West. He'll give you a free consultation and he will treat your land like his own. We also want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance for sponsoring this segment. We want to take a moment and congratulate again, Missouri State handball on their performance at the Collegiate National Handball Tournament. I appreciate Spider Simpson from Angelo State University joining us. And I appreciate President Dennis Hogan from the United States Handball Association giving us a peek into what he does and his perspective on the game of handball. You know congratulations to the women's champions um Missouri State University won another national title this weekend um Minnesota State University Mankato came in second in the men's division Minnesota State Mankato won first with Lake Forest coming in second and Missouri State University coming in third and in the combined division Minnesota State at Mankato won um, Missouri State came in second so a great showing and a great tournament and we appreciate all of it. I know that um, that their their coach Um, that is no longer with us. Dr. Tommy Burnett would have been very proud of the players and all of their contributions and the hard work that they did at this tournament. So thank you for that Um, and we, we appreciate that. Now we're going to take a little bit of a pivot and talk about inspirational speeches. You know this is an appropriate time. You know you just we just talked about the national championship handball tournament and then coming up the next two weekends here in Springfield, Missouri are the Missouri State High School Activities Association Show Me Showdowns were the best of the best get to compete for that coveted state championship trophy in the sport of basketball. Um, There's been a lot of championships this for the winter sports lately you've had swimming you've had wrestling and you know with the girls and boys basketball tournaments coming up you know there's going to be a lot of pre-game speeches there's going to be a lot of halftime speeches a lot of post-game speeches you know coaches work on trying to find those motivating words that are going to inspire and make an impact on on those athletes and try and inspire them to reach that potential that they don't even think that they can reach. And that is something that I think is a lot of fun. And, and this, you're going to recognize some of the voices in these speeches. And this is a great mix. It's put together by Video Edits 1988. And I love this mix because it brings a lot of our favorite sports movies together and gives out some of those inspirational quotes. So take a listen.
1: Great moments are born from great
2: opportunity. You shouldn't have any doubt in your mind about what you're supposed to do tonight and about how you're supposed to do it.
1: This is your time.
2: Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. We got to go out there and we got to take it. Take their game and you shove it right back in their face. That's how winning is done. Something you belong to. Something you feel. Something you have to earn. If we don't come together, it's over. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. I'll ask you one last time to be the best that you can be. Play like champions.
1: Win. It's about heart. It's about who can go out there and play the hardest.
2: It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. In any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die, willing to take the hits, who's going to win that itch. Let me tell you something, you don't let anything, nothing, come between us. On this team, we fight and we shut them down because we can't.
0: I don't think a coach could say it any better. So good luck to all of the teams that are competing in championships this winter. All of the college, all of the high school, give it all you've got. Give it to the hardwood, give it to the field, give it to the course. Whatever it is, play with no regrets. That is how champions do it. And I'm gonna remind you, as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live. Like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.